and gentlemen, and welcome to the Finger Guns podcast. No, Ross has not moved to Stoke and got a Stokey accent. It's Sean I'm hosting this week. Ross is otherwise engaged, so I'll be hosting this week. Joining me is the monster, Miles. Hello there. Hello there. Thank you very doing? much for keeping up the trend of, of saying the hello there, despite it being me and not Ross. I feel special to get a hello there. Oh, of course. I've got to keep it going, you know. It's, uh, it's important to keep the flow. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you well? Have you had a good week? Uh, thank you. We've been away for a week. Uh, there's a lot of alcohol involved, so I'm still partially recovering physically from that. And uh, yeah, otherwise it's been a really good time and it's been a very nice week. Surprisingly, Wales is very scenic and it's much nicer than I think it's ever given credit for. So yeah, it was actually very enjoyable. Thank you. I, I always think when driving through Wales that you know they, they flew the whole Lord of the Rings cast to New Zealand and I'm thinking, you know, most most of the like mountain ranges are just in Wales, so why not stay there? You know, maybe, you maybe. Have... would it have worked if they were always rain covered? I know it works for Helm's Deep, but I don't think the rest of the scenes would have looked quite as good in uh, pouring rain. <laughs> you, you get one in ten good days in in Wales, so you're just going to make sure you do all your sunny filming on that one day. <laughs> um... We've got six hours to record this. Get on with it. <laughs> That's it, Viggo Mortensen. Go kick that helmet. You broke his foot then, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're on such a time limit. He just broke his foot because they were in such a rush. <laughs> uh, also joining us this week is Jumping Joshua Thompson. That's me, boing, boing. <laughs> That's the first time I think I've ever called you Joshua, and I did it because I'm nervous and didn't know I was hosting. So I apologise if you don't like being called Joshua. No, it's Josh, Joshua, JT, or... Um... You, I guess, is anything that I'd go by. You oh. there, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Have you had a good week? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, when Miles and Cat are away, I just shut off like a robot, like unused, like a Roomba. Um, they're the only reason I uh, play games in the evening, and they weren't there, so I worked instead. Oh my god! <sighs> just let me know. We we have a we have a game we need to play together. We do, we do have a game we need to play together. That is for sure. We've um, both been a bit busy, though. I think that's that's fair play, yeah. Um, and finally, rounding out the team this week is the Yakuza Yog Dog, Jonathan Brown. <laughs> Yakuza. I don't think I've ever been called that. Oh, hello, hello, hello. How's it going? Hey. Uh, not too bad. It's been a really busy week, but I've a pretty productive one, so I'm pretty happy. Um. Yeah, all good here, I think. I hope everyone else is too. Yeah. Wow, this has been an awesome introduction. Everyone's good. I'm I'm happy. Um let's stick to the regular structure of the podcast. I'm not going to try and destroy it too much by starting off with our game of the week. So Miles, could you bless us with your game of the week, please? Oh Sean, it's another one that should have been really, really exciting to talk about. And it's have you, not have you, um... Have you taken on the the Toby Toby curse by having games that you get really excited about for them to be then really disappointing? I think I might have. I genuinely think I might have. <laughs> oh, so this one this week is Atomic Heart. I finished my write up uh, just before, and it should be up on the site now. And this was one that was really exciting. It looked like a blend of Bioshock and Dishonored and a little bit of kind of Doom or Wolfenstein kind of gunplay. Uh, it's kind of a sci-fi alternate fu- alternate history, sorry, uh, FPS game uh, where after World War II, 
the Russians gathered up like a bunch of really top scientists and they developed what's called a neuropolymer and it allows them to advance way beyond anything else of the time. And there's like a whole robot kind of revolution in terms of technology. And it's supposed to make the world fantastic. And they're going to launch this thing called Collective 2.0, which is where everybody gets connected to the same kind of neural network. Um, and in this kind of version of events, like Russia is just kind of blossomed. The whole world is getting on really fantastically. And then all the robots go fucking haywire and the world goes to shit. Um, so the idea of the kind of story is that you're taking on the role of, a, of an ex-soldier and you're trying to kind of clean up the mess before it gets too messy. And it's got a really intriguing setup. The first half an hour is absolutely phenomenal. And it's one of my favorite video game kind of uh, universes, worlds in terms of the style of it and the way that they've done the architecture, how they've just brought this world to life is amazing. But everything else just kind of sucks. <laughs> so the gunplay is decent to okay, but it's not good. Um, it's You've got like 12 different weapons. Some of them are melee, some of them are ranged um and the idea is you want to mix and match them very kind of doomy like to match the threat the enemy variety is okay but it doesn't really do enough to necessitate you can just use the shotgun for most encounters and the only reason you don't is and that you have to switch is because you'll run out of ammo quite quickly um the initial trailer kind of made it look like it was going to be quite stealth focused but the stealth is non-existent there is no detection meter so the second an enemy has you within about 30 meters of sight you are seen immediately so unless you just happen to be walking up on an enemy who is dead still, you can't stealth anyone. Um, there's bug issues everywhere. Whenever I'd get in a car and drive into something by accident or intentionally, the car would then skyrocket into the stratosphere and then spin in 360 motions for like five minutes until it came back down to earth. Um, it had a hard crash against the boss. Um, the characters are just really kind of one dimensional. The story is really predictable. And yet, despite all the problems that I have with it, I just really fucking love the world that it's created. I really want to find out more about this universe and this story. I just really hope it gets a sequel so that they can actually build on the promise of it. Because right now it is it is a messy game and it will be polarizing because some people are going to love it enough for what it does really well. And some people are going to absolutely hate the fact that it's not actually that fun a game to play. Um, it presents itself as like an open worldish type game or like an open world hub type game. But it isn't. It's a linear corridor shooter game disguised with some open areas that you run or drive across to get to your next objective. There are no side activities, no side quests, nothing else to do. And all of the collectible tracking and stuff is bugged, so you can't even get the joy of 100% completion. So it's a messy game. Go into that knowing it. There is a lot of good in it, but they are individual elements and the actual package as a whole is a bit of a mess. Which is a real shame. Yeah. Really is. I was really excited for this one. It certainly seems like one of those games that looks really good in a trailer and would probably look really great on a stream, but one of those games that kind of falls apart once you get it in your hands. Yep. <laughs> it is very much that. It's very exciting. The trailers show off all the different dimensions of it. But interestingly, I think the trailers, each in their own way, gave the wrong impression of what this game actually is. They make it look very stealth focused or they make it look very combat focused or they make it look very open world focused. And the problem is it doesn't commit to any of those directions enough. So I think the trailers and the marketing haven't actually done it a favor because they've set up an expectation of what you'll get to do, which you then don't actually get to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, you've nailed it spot on. It's a really fun game to watch for a little bit, not a fun game to play for 15 to 20 hours. 
that's that's a real shame and it i think that's that that might be a like what you're saying around the trailers each giving like a like an element of this that's kind of a a trait of uh focuses focus entertainment's marketing they do mm-hmm. that a lot where they have like a trailer which focuses on one particular aspect of a game and kind of you know they go, go a bit deeper into that and i think sometimes that can be a bit detrimental when when taken in isolation of a lot of things um like you know when, when i think it was necromunda um the the higher gun i really enjoyed that game mm-hmm. um but i think the trailers actually in the lead up kind of they, they give a real full sense of what that game was um and you know i enjoyed it more than the trailers kind of put across eventually but you know what a shame! I don't know if you saw today that the the a debug version of the um, developer build had leaked of Atomic Heart onto the internet. Oh so, God! <laughs> yeah. So even even before it's out on the market, there's like a a, a completely debugged version um, that's been released on PC. It's like just leaked. So damn. It's a real shame. It's a yeah. Shame. They're doing that pirate, pirate version. So. But yeah, it's one of those where some people will find some some good in it. So if you like the look of the the style and the atmosphere and the world of it, then this is one to maybe have a think on playing. If you don't like the look of that, don't bother. Did you play it on PC, Miles? I did. How did it run for your laptop? Uh, it was good on them for the most part, minus the hard crash and the random car glitch. But I think that's an issue across the board. Uh, frame rate wise, it would sometimes have some issues. Well, I say sometimes quite frequently it would have some issues, but usually it was when I was in like a massive firefight with like 20 different types of robot or whatever. Um, there were frame rate dips when I put it down to high settings instead of ultra, it was a bit better and it was generally quite manageable. Um, but I did notice some frame rate stuff. Oh, and another funny one I actually had was in a cutscene. Obviously, it's a first-person shooter, but the camera somehow got stuck behind the character model of the character for the cutscene. So I just had his ass in the camera for the entire cutscene, and I couldn't actually see what was happening because his ass was in the way. Atomic ass is what you say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that should have been the title for the review. It was right there. <laughs> no, no, I, I really like props to your subtitle for this review. It was uh, more fission, sorry, more frisian than fusion. Yeah, more fish than um, fusion. Yeah, <laughs> just so good. Just Thank like you. that was an A plus sub subtitle. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Josh, what is your game of the week? Um, so I think my game of the week, more uh, the game of today, because I started and finished it. Um, it's quite. It's called uh, Still Stand or Still Stand. I'm not too sure how to pronounce it. Nice. Um. It's developed by Neela Games. Uh, there is a name attached to it. I really, I'm really bad with it. I forget the name. Uh, I think it's Ida Hartman. Um, basically created it, wrote the story. Um, and it's basically um, a interactive comic, I want to say. Uh, it takes about an hour long. Um, and it's just about a young woman in Copenhagen uh, kind of going through a rough patch through a really hot summer. You kind of just spend the summer with her in kind of existential moments and failing to go on a date and talking to someone called The Thing who's like a mental uh, apparition of like maybe part of their personality that they kind of like out robbed with. It's very like, I don't know, it's, it's very like experimental 
uh, a little bit melancholic and actually really funny. Uh, I laughed quite a lot at it. Um, the art style is kind of like if someone drew all of it in biro um, and then kind of like framed it as a comic book and you kind of just click along to watch it. And then there's a few interactive moments like you pick up the hand to smoke the cigarette, stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's just a short, sweet game. I picked it up on the PlayStation sale along with a couple of other games that uh, the publisher, I'm blanking on the name of the publisher, uh, but the publisher kind of um, did other games like called Lydia um, and I think another one called Agros. So they're kind of like these short, uh, in-depth, like short but sweet, uh, like story-driven games um, that have like a lot of, uh, tackles a lot of themes and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it. It was only like a few pounds. Um, yeah, it was a really good game. I, I love this game. I have you played it? I reviewed it twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I reviewed it when it first landed on the PC and then when they did the PlayStation release. Um, mm -hmm. Is it Nikana.io? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, they, they do some, like, they publish really quirky, short games that are kind of really creative and artistic. Mm. Yeah, I, I adore this game. I think it's, uh, like, a really raw look at, like, a, a mental health crisis. Not a crisis, but, like, the feeling of being a millennial in a city and just just struggling to get by the everyday um, yeah it's kind of existential isn't it kind of a, an outlook on life that like it's hard to find meaning um and what is meaning to life when you kind of dulling about all day <laughs> yeah and it, it, there's there's a there's an element so i don't know if you know like a, a borderline personality disorder yeah um it kind of goes through a lot of those, um, like uh, you know, the, at one part, essentially, this this lead character love bonds another character, um, and just like really comes on strong, yes. And then that person just walks away and just leaves them feeling yeah, truly yeah. awful. And uh, there's another way, like they they're at a party and they just go full pelt, and then their social battery just runs out, and mm -hmm. that like. It's so like, such a brilliantly symbolic game that's that's really raw and really um yeah I'm with you there that I mean, yeah fantastic game great it's choice. uh great it's game. free of judgment as well uh from the perspective that it is you know like the kind of things that you just described like the situations like they're easily misrepresented in media as moments of weakness to a person but it's not that at all it's kind of like just a realistic interpretation of what some people go through in their everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for that. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> thank you. Um, Yog, what is your game of the week? Uh, my game of the week is a turn-based strategy game I've been playing a fair bit of. came out a couple of weeks ago, but I've only been playing over the last like four or five days. It's uh, called Spellforce Conquest of EO. Uh, so you are a wizard uh, in a magical world, and you your master gets attacked. You need to find out who's attacked him to, uh, to begin with, and then start to research the magic which he was researching. So you start with a small chunk of troops. You start with a tower in disrepair. Over time, you repair your tower and start recruiting more troops and apprentices. It's a really cool game. Uh, I've been playing quite a bit of it on my Twitch channel, and uh, yeah, I've been really getting into it. 
it's it's been a lot of fun or it's quite difficult as well <laughs> i have had my arse handed to me on more than one occasion by the game but uh well worth it okay i, I know that i think it was miles reviewed spellforce 3 maybe i did now is this the same the same series it is, but it's different. Uh, Miles, have you ever played Age of Wonders? Uh, I played Age of Wonders Planetfall, I think. Okay. It's very much more akin to that than the older Spellforce games. It's not an RTS. It's, uh, uh, it's more think... like grand strategy type. Not strategy, uh, I guess it's like 4X, it, is it called or something? Yeah, it's more of a 4X game. It's it's a lot more like Planetfall and Age of Wonders 3. Um so it's quite different to the other games in the series, but it's it's still really good in my eyes. Okay, how approachable is it? Because I, I've been trying to get back into strategy games slowly but surely. Um... Uh, it it is approachable <laughs> on the easiest difficulties, but if you try and do anything other than easy, it's very difficult. Uh, but the, the, there's even like a story mode difficulty on it, so it's. You know, it's fairly easy to get into. We just go for one of those. That sounds like my cup of tea. Story mode. <laughs> Drag, drop, fight, done. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm always glad when games have that sort of stuff because not everyone wants to deal with huge amounts of difficulty. And, you know, I play a lot of strategy games and I can't be asked with difficulty half the time. So I'm quite happy to see it nowadays. Um, I've seen you save scrubbing on the Battle... Uh, ba- What's it? Battle Brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I definitely uh, do. Uh, so let's round this off with my game of the week, um, which I'm going to... I really want to talk about Scars Above, but I can't talk about that for another week. So I'm going to talk about a little game called uh, Temple of Snack, which I don't know if I've mentioned before, um, but uh, you know Snake, uh, the, the Nokia game where you move around Essentially, it's like an evolution of that where you move a giant snake through their temple, the Temple of Snack, as you might expect. Um, and the, the temple has been invaded by barbarians and your snake moves to the beat of the music. And the idea is to get around this temple, devouring the barbarians uh, and avoiding all of the traps that have been set up to keep the barbarians out. Or As you get bigger, avoiding all of those traps becomes ever more difficult. It's a fantastic evolution of that that formula. It's been in early access for like six to twelve months, I reckon. Um, at the end of January, so um, sorry, yeah, I think it was the end of January. It went into uh, the full Steam release. It's on one point now, and it's it's fantastic. There's like a, a a puzzle, like a design element to it as well, so you can create your own temple of snacks. Snakes? Snack? I don't know what the plural of snack is. I'm a snack. <laughs> I'm a snack. <laughs> um, <God. laughs> uh genuinely if you if you, I mean it, it's a it's a brilliantly well designed game and I don't think it's getting anywhere near the amount of coverage that it probably deserves. Um and if you you know I'm just trying to put this out there. I really want to try and get a, a review done for it, but um if I can't, this is me putting that out there, this energy into the world, go and play Temple of Snack. I think you would enjoy it. Especially if, like me, every buzz journey between in your teens was filled with catching little fruit on a little Nokia screen. So, yeah. That's the game of the weeks. 
Um, shall we move on to a quiz, Miles? I believe you have a quiz. I do indeed have a quiz. Um, hopefully this one will go more smoothly than the first two have. <laughs> no, uh, it, it obviously won't. Let's not set that expectation. It won't. I'm making no promises this time. I made that mistake last time and I shan't be doing it this week. <laughs> now, I, I, I wasn't here for all the controversial emojis, thumbs up thing. Are we going to be clear with that this week? Yes, we are doing hands only. No emojis allowed. They're banned. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately emoji happens. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I will hand this over to you. Thank you kindly. So it is another standard, well, I say standard, chaotic quiz, I suppose. Uh, it's going to be 10 questions and they're straightforward. To avoid any disastrous uh, controversy over answers again, if I'm asking for a name of something, I would like the full name this time. <laughs> because okay. last time that did not go to plan when I accepted the not full name, thinking that would be okay. It was not. So, full names, hands only. Hopefully we're going to have a bit more structure to this. Are we all ready? Yes. Perfecto. Yeah. So, quite... keep in score, Miles, sorry. Yes, I will keep... Almost immediately. <laughs> no, I will keep score this time, don't worry. I've got this. I'm okay. prepared. So, question number one. So, the first four questions, this is a slight hint, they all relate in some way to a game that has released within the last few weeks to this month. So there is a, a relation to them. So question number one, who are the main protagonists of Yakuza 0? Josh? How many main characters are we talking about? Because I know there's... Is it? Is it? No. I'm going to... I can't even remember the guy's name <laughs> now. Because I know no. Ichiban from Yakuza 7 because I've barely played Yakuza 0. I know one of them is Majima. Um, uh, he's the Iron Patch dude. You want full names though? That's really harsh. <laughs> I do because I've set that rule and now I've got to stick to it. <laughs> there you go, guys. That is uh, a quarter of someone's name. <laughs> <laughs> so I will give you all a hint. There are two main characters. Majima is the surname of one of the characters. Sean? Kazuma. And I, I can't remember the surname. No, fuck. You just said you want full names. <laughs> The funny thing is, you've got the first name of the other character. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like because um, Kiriko, Kiriku, Kiriko. You know what? If the others accept it, I will accept that answer because that is very, very close. I'm fine. I'm fine with accepting. Yeah. So the first one is Kazama Kiryu. Oh fuck! That's so close. <laughs> so I'll give you that one. However, you still need the other one. <laughs> oh shit! I'm going to quit. Um, no, I I don't know it. Yog, would you like to have a guess? You already have one in the bank. I I've never played any Yakuza game. I literally have no clue. But your uh, name's Yakuza Yog Dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been roped into knowing this now. Uh, I sorry. One sec. I am just killing someone with the uh, katana. I'm not searching Google, <laughs> honestly. No, I, I ge genuinely have no idea. And... So, so I, I have remembered it, but I, I will, I will, I am not going to take the point. I just want to, Yog, take a guess of a, a, a Mortal Kombat character. Mm -hmm. Never played Mortal Kombat. Oh, no! Jesus. <laughs> uh, uh, Majima Sub Zero. 
Oh, that's the wrong way around. <laughs> oh, my days. Zero Majima. I am sheltered as hell when it comes to games. Um, I... I... That's, uh, that's... Did I put us all out of our misery? It could... What, what, what's his name begin with? A G. 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 Goro Majima. Yes. Nice. However, I can't give a point to anyone. I will give a spiritual point. That's that's fine. We got there in the end. Yeah, you got it. So that's cool. So we have one spiritual point. I'm going to put that to the group. You all get a spiritual point together. Oh, teamwork. Because it's nice like that. Yeah, team, team camaraderie and all that. So question number two. In Monster Hunter World, what are the cat-like companions called who follow you out onto missions? Sean. Shit. (laughs) <laughs> they are not called shit. No, I, I just, I just realised. Is it? Is, I, I was going to say mug, muggle, but it's not. Is it? It's um. No, it's not a fantasy, it. aren't they? Yeah, I've just fucked up on that. Yog, cats. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best answer, but unfortunately, it is not the correct answer. Felines. Also, no. <laughs> uh, kittens. No. Damn it. Uh, I genuinely have no clue. I just was, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bow out about one. I appreciate the guess answers. Josh, would you like to have a guess? Pussies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh we're, going through, we're going through all the cat names. Why not go for it, pussy? I was going to say, yeah, at least you're uh, guessing all of those ones. Uh, they're called palicos. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, I, I assumed someone would have played Monster Hunter World within this, so yeah, I thought it would be a decent one. I have, a, I have it on my Steam wish list if that counts. It does. It sure does. Yes, it, it does, to be fair. It does. Do you know what? I've played 40 hours of that game, and it's almost as if I've only got it on a Steam wish list. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, question number three. Atomic Heart is set in an alternate history version of which country? Josh. Russia. Correct. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Excuse me. Yes. The USSR. I was going to say that's... uh, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I need a no controversy, okay? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was just just messing. It's all good. (laughs) I I actually pressed the wrong thing there. I pressed mute instead of... Hand. <laughs> and I think I would have been quick enough beforehand as well. So I'm oh, kind of kicking myself. Uh... That is unfortunate, to be fair. That is unfortunate. <laughs> uh, Sean gets the history accuracy point, if that's now a thing. Oh, spiritual and historical accuracy. Go there in. you go. <laughs> You're getting all the extra points. <laughs> I love it. Question number four Which Harry Potter game was released in 2007 on the PS? Oh my God. Sean's already answered it, Sean. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. No, Josh. Is it Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? It is, Josh. Well, well, gotten answered. I don't know. Well done. Go Wizards. How did you get that? Was it just the year, or was it just a wild guess? And I think I vaguely remember playing it. It was like the first time Hogwarts was uh, open world. Um, It was a surprisingly good one. Yeah, I like people said, "Oh, it's the first time you can explore Hogwarts." No, it wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> she could do that. Wasn't there a game on like the PS2 or something where you could? Uh, I don't know about PS2. There was it definitely was the... um, one and two on PS1. 
you could play Quidditch. Um, they had the awful Hagrid memes come from it. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. what, what I'm thinking of. Oh, <laughs> God, that meme is so good. Um, question number five. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance features which enemy as its first boss battle? Yog. Cats. <laughs> oh god uh no i i have also never played a metal gear game so i have no idea oh wow damn that that hurts my soul just a you, you guys are gonna probably make me play some of these games eventually so we'll 100 we'll see whether that changes <laughs> would we like a hint yeah it is a metal gear of some kind Go on, Rex. Yoke. Rex. <laughs> no, it's not Rex. Ah, damn it. I see only Metal Gear right now. Is it Metal Gear Ray? It is a Metal Gear Ray. You dismember mm. a Metal Gear Ray as part of your tutorial mission, effectively, which is just shows how badass that game is. <laughs> I fucking um, love Revengeance. Where's what's your source on that one, Miles? Uh, <laughs> my source is I made it the fuck up. There you go. There we go. I got the first letter correct. Does that mean I get a third of a point? You can have a correct letter of the word for one point. I'm basically going to have like 20 different awards by the end of this. Okay, question number six. This should be an easier one. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted as a quote from which video game? Sean, that was so close. Uh, That's Assassin's Creed. Which one? Two. It is. Oh. I mean, I mean, it's 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 in all of them, but I mean, that's the one where it's spoken. So yeah, that's that's, that's the one where it's like primarily. As a real like stop check there, like yeah, all right, but which one? And then you just <laughs> listed it off. Okay, yeah, fuck me. All right, yeah. Look, I have one hundred percented every single one of those games. <laughs> <laughs> I have an issue with that series. It's okay. <laughs> so, question number seven. I'm going to give you a slight hint in advance. This one is a bit of a meme question, so I hope you know your memes from video game-related information. Fallout 76 was promised to have how many times the detail from Fallout 4? Go on, Josh. 24? No, not 24. Uh, Sean? 76? No. That would be thematically on point, but unfortunately, no. (laughs) Uh, 12. Unfortunately not. You were quite close, though. So Todd Howard, in the presentation for Fallout 76, promised that it would have 16 times the detail, and then the game released, and it was an absolute shit show. So, yeah, don't know where that 16 times of detail went. So question number eight. At which game reveal was Keanu Reeves called Beautiful? (laughs) Sean. (laughs) Cyberpunk 2077? It was. I really wanted that Paul would just randomly turn up to this uh, podcast today, <laughs> just so you could answer that one. Oh, man, it was the only question you ever get to write in a quiz. <laughs> Although, do you know what? I still don't think he would. You know? no, he probably wouldn't. <laughs> um, question number nine. What is the most recent mainline Splinter Cell game that released? Sean? Uh... Oh shit! Uh, prison? No, fuck! I don't know. <laughs> prison? I fuck! Oh, I can see the box art, and I can't get the name in my head. God damn it! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Sean. Uh, Josh, it says you're next. 
Uh, is it Blacklist? It is indeed Blacklist. Well done. Shit, I broke. <laughs> I love to to sell don't know. Fuck. <laughs> um, and question number 10. Beyond Good and Evil 2 recently broke the record for the longest amount of time a game has been in development for. What was the... Oh, Josh is already going to I don't know it. why I threw my hand up. I was like, yeah, because it's still in development or something. Was it going to be the answer? I just I don't know the question yet. <laughs> I mean, you can get the answer now, but you put your hand up. Uh, finish the question. I'm, I apologise. That was, uh... That's okay. Um, which game had previously held the record before it overtook it? Uh, I'm not putting my hand down. <laughs> yeah, Sean's hand is currently the next one up. Uh, is it Duke Nukem Forever? It is indeed Duke Nukem Forever. Would you like to know how, how many days as of October Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been in development for? Yes, please. 5,240, and we're now three, four months afterwards. So even wider done to that. Duke Nukem Forever was in development for 5,156 days. Wild. I don't think it was. I think they started it, and then they put it to the back of the shelf and just said, fuck this, this is shit. And then a couple <laughs> of years later, like, oh, remember that game? <laughs> Someone <laughs> did pre-order that, so let's, let's put that out. Oh yeah, shit, we start to release that game. I wonder if Skull and Bones will end up uh, matching it eventually. <laughs> Alrighty. So, by my calculations, we have a winner in Joshua Thompson and with four points. And Sean, you followed close behind on three points. And there is an array of bonus points awarded to basically everybody throughout the entire game. So well done, everyone, for the extra bonus points everyone got. Congratulations, Josh. Congratulations, everyone, on the bonus points. Thank you. Yeah, well, well done, Josh. I did it again. You did it. Proud of you. Shall we get into some topics? Let's Shall do we? It. Let's. Okay. Now, I wasn't. I'm not entirely sure what Ross was aiming at here, but I'm going to follow this this itinerary for this podcast to the letter. We he wanted to talk about the Mount Rushmore of games, four games you immortalize forever. So I'm guessing he wanted us to choose four games that you would put in a mountain, you know, replacing the presidents or whatever, and it would be immortalized forever. I guess that's where we're going. Let's do that. Miles, do you have four games that you would like to carve into the side of a mountain? I mean, I wasn't too sure on the specifications of the question originally. However, if we're just going for games that I think should be remembered forever, then yes, I think I have four. They're very subjective, personal four. I doubt many people will agree with me, but uh, here we go. I have Life is Strange, for obvious reasons, because I've talked about it like a billion times of how much I love that series. Um, and especially that first season. I think it's just really special and a good example of emotional storytelling within the video game medium. Uh, I have Metal Gear Solid 3, which I wonder if Josh might have on his or a Metal Gear of some kind on his as well, um, just because I think it is Kojima's best iteration of his maniacal, crazy mind, um, where he actually streamlined himself and told a cohesive, coherent story without relying too much on crazy stuff. Uh, Spec Ops The Line is another one. I think, again, it's just a really fantastically told video game. Um, it all serves a singular purpose, and it just really coalesces into something that's quite special in terms of its subject matter and how it addresses it. And the last one I had, interestingly, was Bioshock, uh, just because I think the way, it, again, it kind of handled its narrative, its gameplay, and just the world itself it created was just phenomenal. 
Um, so yeah, those are my four, to be honest. They're on quite a similar theme, quite narrative focused and uh, character driven stuff. Um, but I think all of them deserve their place in like the echelons of being remembered. And good selection. Thank you. I think, um, I think the Would You Kindly is one of the best narrative twists in games, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. One of those things that I think it's impossible to see coming. Um, no, I think you know, I have I have concerns over like the use of Baron Rand and in, in, in Bioshock and you know I, I don't agree with all the kind of philosophy behind it but I think as a game it's fantastic yeah so, it's it's a, a good list thank you Josh, appreciate that Josh can you follow up that list um I mean Miles kind of got me pinned a little bit um I think <laughs> I'd probably go for Metal Gear Solid 2 though um I I think Miles had a point where it was kind of the most concise and epic kind of game out of the series and it's it is a like a blockbuster that game um I just really like how Metal Gear Solid 2 tackled a lot of subjects that actually have like relevancy today <laughs> in the terms of social media and the way we use internet and information warfare and stuff like that it's it was like what a game that came out 20 years ago and it's still and and to this day now it's more prevalent than ever that we do those things now um and the idea of building a persona that people don't know and stuff like that this all starts all sorts of philosophical philosophical stuff political stuff that just makes sense um is it because you need scissors 61 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no it's just because of the uh the women in the lockers and the posters i just thought yeah if i'm going to play a game for the rest of my life i'll want to be looking at those ones um no yeah i took it as like immortalizing games so like f- from from outside of my point of view what would be uh important games to play that was my first one um silent hill 2 is my second one um i I'm a recent fan. I only played it over lockdown. Um, but I think the significance of exploring the themes that it goes through um, and just kind of like the the mechanics of the survival horror genre uh, just lent itself so well to that game. Um, and, I mean, play the original or play the remaster with the voiceover. It still tells the same story. Um, and yeah i think it's it's something that about it it's just got that je ne sais quoi as they say um that just makes every element just a top game um and then uh this might be the one that i could argue out of the mount rushmore list but it's one that i've played so much that i don't know why i wouldn't put it on this list and that's the last of us um i think for me the gameplay is the weakest point of that of the series um that's not to say it's bad i really enjoy it um but the story is kind of the big thing about it um and just getting to experience that and the fact that i've got the platinum on the ps3 version the ps4 version i plan to do the ps5 version uh 
And then obviously Last of Us Part Two, it just speaks volumes as to that series is uh, quality as a story. Um, and then my last one is probably an obvious one, which is Disco Elysium. Uh, just because the, again, kind of like the story they tell, the themes that it's going for, um, the comedy in it, uh, the statements that are made um, without kind of waving it in your face or kind of having a hard stance on it, even though you kind of know it's a bit of like a, the the developers are a bit more of a socialist conscious um, group uh the 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 pol- it is just all about politics and us uh in the world are about politics whether we like it or not uh, it's kind of in our face and i think it's a great way of humanizing it and making it funny and also just being a really good detective game um and the the protagonist that you get to play as kind of making them whoever you want to be like besides looks you will always look the same but personality you can have you know you could be the superstar detective that has like a massive ego you could be a drunk loser and fail at every step uh you could be really empathetic and to everyone uh, it's trippy it's hilarious um it's yeah and it's a fun time just overall yeah i still can't believe that i've not played this coliseum i um I went to EGX intentionally to play it three times. I was the first person in the UK to play it outside of the dev team. You know, I, I went beelined from EGX Res to that stand and was the first person to play it there. And I still haven't played it. It's like I, pre- I previewed it like seven times. <laughs> I've still not played the finished article. I will, you know, I'm, I'm hoping. Do you know those times when you're like, I really want one of those sicknesses where it means like I have to stay home, but like <laughs> it yeah. doesn't stop from playing games. Like I want to like break a foot. <laughs> yeah, That's I think the- uh, when it came out on console, it was uh, the pandemic still, um, and I was on furlough, so I had nothing else to do. Um, so as you do, you spend sixty hours on it in a week. <laughs> That's it. That's that's my intention. If I ever get yeah. like run over, like my my foot gets run over by a car or something, the the first thing I do is download Disco Elysium from from the A and E, as they're discharging me, downloading onto the PlayStation as I'm driving home. Just tell the paramedics get it downloaded for me, please. <laughs> yeah, paracetamol and Disco Elysium now. Start. Go go go. Um, Yog Dog. Now I I imagine your list is going to be very different. Yeah, um, I'm going to do a real-time strategy game, a turn-based, and then I'm going to try and do an indie game, and then I'm going to, an indie strategy game anyway, and then a bit more of a more mainstream game. So the real-time one would probably be Empire Earth, which is... uh, it's from the very early 2000s, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, you, it's a game where you control a nation from history and bring it all the way from the Stone Age through to, well, future ages. But instead of being turn-based, it's real-time. It's kind of like Age of Empires on steroids, really. It was a really cool game. I think in many ways it was very ahead of its time. 
Uh, for turn-based, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, I suppose the correct answer would probably be something like Civilization, because it's been going for so long and it means so much to so many people. But I've never really enjoyed it as much as many others. And I think I'm probably going to go with one of the Total War series, specifically Medieval 2. Uh, for the campaign map gameplay, although it still has real-time uh, RTS battles, the the majority of your time you'll be spending on the campaign map. And Medieval 2 would probably be my favourite of the series. Uh, indie games, there's no contest, it's going to be Battle Brothers. It only came out in like 2017, but I absolutely adore that game. I have got a ridiculous and scary amount of hours into it. And it's just had a huge impact on me over the years. If I ever have a game, I want to just go back and relax on playing. As much as you can relax in that game, it would be Battle Brothers. Because it will kick your ass a lot of the time with its RNG. And then mainstream game would be Mass Effect 2. Because I really enjoyed Mass Effect 2 and 3. And two, I think I just have slightly fonder memories of, and I've played through quite a bit more. So Mass Effect 2 would be the one I'd go for there. So, yeah, I think that's my four. What a great list. Um, I don't know if you know, I, I reviewed Battle Brothers when it hit consoles. Oh, did you? I did. And um, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't a fan. But that's no. primarily because I couldn't ever really get a game going because... Uh, as soon as I started to get out from my spawn position, I'd always end up dead. <laughs> it's an absolutely brutal game, which will take no prisoners. Uh, and I also, I don't, what were the controls like on console? Did you uh, tricky. Awkward? Tricky. Very yeah, tricky. I thought um, that might be the case. Yeah, there's, there was, um, it, it feels a bit too sticky with, um, like, I think you could use the D-pad to move through the hexagons and stuff. And there's too many times where I drop somebody in in the wrong place, and I don't think controller inputs suitable for that kind of game. I get why you port it to consoles because you know there's a massive kind of untapped market there for games like that. So I know why they did it. I think I give it a six out of ten. Um, but I'll be honest with you, if I played it on PC, it probably would have been higher. Um, yeah. Um. I. I mean, even on PC, the, the game just is all about RNG uh, and trying to mitigate it as much as possible. It, it's just body brutal. Uh, and until you've learned the tactics to uh, try and mitigate that as much as possible, uh, it, it, it can be a pretty difficult experience, uh, both yeah. in terms of just outright difficulty and like mentally because oh god i keep failing what am i doing wrong yeah uh i, I thought that i'd um i was just picking crap start because you like you can pick your type of start people can't you like so yeah. uh, like they get what they get started with the cultists right oh was... no <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. one of the hardest starts well yeah i figured that out pretty quickly um <laughs> i think i got through uh, i fought one spider <laughs> and they were all dead and it was <laughs> so it's just like whatever <laughs> so uh, eventually i kind of figured out that you know some some builds are you know better for other kind of 
more more established players. Um, but yeah, it's a good list, a varied list. It's one of those games where even easy difficulty is very difficult. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't recommend it to someone new to the genre, or even <laughs> even moderate experience. Yeah, yeah, cool. Thanks for that, job. Yeah, no, that's a good list. Um, so I'm going to round it off with my four. Um, Monkey Island uh, would be my first pick because it's probably my favorite game of all time. One of the best points and clicks, probably the best points and click, and one of the funniest games ever made. And I, I can't argue. You know, uh, if, if people don't like Monkey Island, there's a pretty good chance that I just don't get on with them. So, uh. My second game is going to be Abe's Odyssey, purely because my appreciation for that game has changed throughout my life. When I first got it, it was one of the first kind of PlayStation game that I ever played. I I enjoyed it as a platformer. I enjoyed it as a kid that was enjoying a alien farting, and it was one of the few games that my family ever played together. We would like pass the controller each time we died. Um, or like you know, every time we failed and we got like a load of maducans chucked up into bits or whatever. Um, but then as an adult, you you kind of play it and you realise that actually it's an incredibly scathing look at capitalism. Um, and you know the fact that Lorne Lanning even managed to get that game made in the the, the kind of market that was gaming at the time is incredible. I think it's just a a really it kind of ahead of its time um, skewering of capitalism that kind of saw foresaw where a lot of the world has gone. And um, yeah, I think it's really intelligent that way. Um, third game would be Final Fantasy VII. I know that it's like, you know, I wouldn't even say it's the best RPG, but I think from an impact on westernized acceptance of JRPGs, I think it has to be immortalized because, you know, I think... The storyline in the first disc and a half, fantastic. After that, it starts to lose it a bit. Um, but just, you know, as as a as an explosion for a genre, I think Final Fantasy VII has to be considered. And then the the last game I would choose would be Telltale's The Walking Dead, purely because I think it's one of the best stories told within a video game. Some of the most emotionally impactful um gaming that I've ever had. It's one of the few times I've ever cried playing a video game. I will not be ashamed in saying that. Um, that last last episode of that series hurt. Big style. Um, so if you want to put Lee Everett's face on a mountain, I will 100% accept that. That is my Mount Rushmore of gaming. Now, I did consider halfway through this whether Ross actually meant, are we supposed to pick four really attractive characters to go on a... On a... <laughs> but I didn't think he did. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, I mean, part graph. of our games, we've got those people. I'd put yeah. Cloud up there. I'd put Solid Snake up there. I mean, Cloud oh. in the, um, the beehive dress, you know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the low poly version, just one giant spire coming out of the mountain. I'm, <laughs> I'm like... kind of screwed with my options here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if you had a red, if you had a red line, line now, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. If you picked Age of Empires over Civilization, you could have had a trebuchet on the Mount Rushmore. Oh. <laughs> That's true. The tre- trebuchet is do superior siege engine. 
I do think I win with Bioshock and having a big daddy on a mountain, though. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'd call Cloud that though, anyway. But and Solid Snake, <laughs> they're all big daddies to me. How 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 um you know how would you feel walking up to a mountain with a big daddy on the side of it? You just like, <laughs> nope, this is not the greatest tourist destination ever. I don't want to be here. Um. Cool. Thank you very much for that, guys. That was a nice chat. I'm just wondering how Miranda's going to take it if I start calling her Big Daddy. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you try that out and see how that goes. I'll let um, you know next week. Great. Okay. So, moving on. Uh, this week, I mean, this is a kind of a, a topic that I don't think any of us are completely qualified to to, to comment on. Because... I think while most of the people on this podcast have probably dabbled in VR, I don't think any of us have really been a full-blown adopter of PSVR or or any of the other VR equipment. But it would be remiss of us not to talk about this, seeing as though PSVR is launching this week. So PSVR's reviews are now up, all the, the kind of handheld, you know, the demo builds are out there, and the reviews are glowing. For the most part, and I, Didn't you I, order one. I have ordered one, so I have a pre-order. Um, it should be coming be- around about launch time. Unfortunately, uh, they've not taken my payments and not sent me any um any shipping information just yet. So it probably won't be here for launch day, which is a bit of a disappointment. But you know what can you do? This is this is a big hardware launch. You can't expect things to be all swimming and smooth. Sony, if you're listening to this, can can we be involved in this launch next time, please? Anyway, so if you if you know, I'm going to kind of read some of these um, reviews from from Metacritic because they've kind of grouped all of the reviews together, and I think some of them really stand out as as kind of giving a really great example of what PSVR is, is doing. So, this is uh, Michael L. Hicks, no relation to Greg Hicks from Android Central. If you want a VR experience, you Share with friends and family, I guarantee you the PSVR 2 will feel more inviting than a Quest or PC headset. Would I be able to buy a PS5 and PSVR just to use the latter? Not unless I plan to use the PS5 for non-VR purposes. But if you already own the PS5 and are considering diving back into the world of VR, the PSVR 2 is a device that will properly immerse you in a gorgeous new world, so long as you accept the cable resting on your neck. I give it 9 out of 10. Um, Duncan Roberts at Games Radar give it 9 out of 10 Ron Burke at Gaming Trend give it 100 out of 100 uh, Adam Cook at Game uh, God is a Geek give it a 95 out of 100 the reviews in general are incredibly positive um, Tom Ory at VG247 I think VR is incredible and PSVR 2 is the best VR experience I've had in terms of hardware but it's a, a cheap it's not, it isn't a cheap toy you can take a gamble on so Given the fact that we've got a lot of really positive reviews out there, I was just wondering if that kind of changed your opinion on PSVR 2. I know that there's been some um, kind of... I don't think anyone's been totally sold on it up until this point. Uh, Would you say that's true, Miles? Have you been waiting, anticipating this for for a while, or are you you ready to jump in now based on the reviews, or...? Not until there's Beat Saber 2. I just want Beat Saber 2. I'm kidding. Um, Beat Saber was the reason I actually bought the original VR. And I actually did enjoy uh, Sony's VR system, the first one. 
but it was very underpowered and the games looked crap and it just didn't quite work functionality wise so i think my skepticism about it was how much of a big jump this one was going to be and whether it was going to have the lineup of games to support it and that the tech would be as impressive as it was promising from the look of the reaction and the reviews it sounds like the tech is indeed pretty fantastic i think the price point is still a bit of a barrier even though relatively for vr it's you know not exceptionally high um, in the grand scheme of where the the world economy is at the moment i think it's still a bit of a big ask um but i've got to say the reaction to it has got me more interested uh to see what's going to be offered and i'm intrigued to see what sony do with this and if they end up supporting it better with more um you know, not necessarily AAA, I don't know if that's the right thing to say within a VR context, but more of those kind of premium top tier kind of game experiences being developed specifically for the platform. Because I think one of the issues I had with the original VR was that there are a couple of games, but there wasn't anything particularly worth being drawn onto that platform for, with the exception of things like Beat Sable or Synth Riders for me, because they kind of took advantage of the tech the most. Um so yeah, I'm still in a bit of a wait and see formation, but I'm pleased to see that Sony have done this well. They've put a lot of effort into it, and I hope it does succeed. Yeah, I think I think you got a good point there around Sony support for these kind of peripheral secondary systems. If you look at um, like Wonderbook, that had a total of four games before it, it died. The PS Vita, you know, um, support was pulled. You know, after a couple of years of pretty disappointing sales, I think Sony usually support the you know successful hardware really well. But I think you know anything that's kind of floundering, they kind of withdraw support for. And you know, I think that that's true of the PSVR um, the original because I guess they probably moved a lot of their teams onto doing PSVR two things. Yeah. So you get like you know, as Blood and Truth, um, yeah. which is my favorite PSVR games. Um, like that team is has has done some of the Horizon, um, VR game work. So they've obviously been busy. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. You know, I think there was like a there's a list currently doing the rounds, and there's like 80 games slated to release on PSVR two now, which is is impressive. And I think partially because the games are kind of like the structure of the PSVR 2 is similar to Quest that mm. actually developing for the PSVR 2 isn't like a completely different build compared to what you had with PSVR where it was you know using the move and the camera tracking so hopefully even if Sony don't support it that you know other developers will continue to support it because they're building for Quest and they've got a decent enough install base on PS4 PSVR 2 yeah and everyone has a bit more experience now with the vr tech stuff with all the other platforms for it so fingers crossed it's just a bit of a a bigger market pool of experience going around on making these games because blood and truth actually wasn't bad it just made me horribly sick (laughs) every time i tried to play it i did manage to finish it but it was a slog and i almost threw up about four times trying to play through that one yeah that's it's i mean there's some games you just can't get the sea legs for you know the, the vr sea legs that you know most people say it just takes time, but sometimes, you know, you just need a bucket or some <laughs> some Beat Saber to go to your system. Literally, Beat Saber and Synth Riders were the ones I could always reliably play with, no, not an issue. I think it was because whenever in Blood and Truth to move, you like slid across the ground and like, <laughs> uh, it just used to throw my brain out every time. And I was like, Ugh. 
fair enough. Josh, have you have you enjoyed your VR legs? Are you are you ex- excited about PSVR two? Uh, yeah. I if there was a payment plan, I would be already on it. I think. Um, I know you you've tried and failed the PayPal Pay and Three. <laughs> yep. Which is a damn shame because I would probably budget to do a PayPal Pay and Three for this. Um, at this point, um, I feel like one first party VR title is quite a slap in the face uh like at launch um at least maybe two or three would have been like uh, an easier sell uh, uh, overall however the games that i have seen are like third party even though they're kind of or some of them are already out on uh, other hardware um it's such a cool lineup uh and i can't argue uh, the lineup that i've that you can see in the PlayStation store, like majority of them I'd love to be able to play. Um, like uh, that, the Light Brigade, Tentacular, What the Bat, Before Your Eyes. I'd even play that Kayak VR game. <laughs> um, Mirage one. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that looks so good. Yeah. Um, but I think Mars brings up a good point though um, about how well people cope with it. It's quite a steep gamble. You know, if you, you're chuffed to have a PSVR 2, you've spent the money, and then you can't play it because you get un, unwell. It's quite a high risk, low reward uh, in that way, um, which is a shame. There should be more open ways to be able to play VR other than possibly going to a gaming bar somewhere in your local city that has one uh, to see if you've got the mustard or not. Um, but, yeah, I think... The reviews overall, they're kind of saying that the price is justified uh, through the hardware, um, whilst it's not necessarily cutting edge, as there's still a singular wire to plug it in, which has its pros and cons. Uh, like plugging it in means that's it, it's set up for life. You know, you just plug it in play, you don't have to faff around with connecting. Um, the controllers have a very specific size so if you do have big hands they're a little bit finicky to play with I, I think that's like a minor issue but you know it comes with the territory you can't have a one size fits all without some people having issues with it um but no it's it feels like a good step a step in the right direction it really feels like um what i originally thought after psvr was that that's it like they've kind of had their turn they didn't really enjoy it because it didn't really do too well so we won't bother anymore but instead they've come back tenfold better hardware better games on launch and seemingly smashing it yeah i i I agree with like a lot of what you said i think it is vr in general can be a bit of a gamble um i think what i think a lot of companies have kind of learned around what makes people sick now Mm. Um, and that you know they they often say that like the peripheral vision is what makes you sick um so i know that they're like some of the accessibility now that when you move you can have like a dull like a dull um silhouette around the outside of your vision okay. so it stops you being sick um and i think because the screen's wider your peripheral is actually uh and obviously the screen the the the, the frame rate is is another thing that can make people sick which was like the prime reason why people were sick with PSVR is because frame rate just wasn't good enough to keep up and you ended up just feeling 
dizzy and sick. So all those kind of things have, have improved, but again, you just can't tell, can you? You can't. Some people are just biologically incapable of playing VR. Yeah. Being, uh, like Paul, um, who, you know, for the listeners, he's uh, a guy on the website. Um, <laughs> I was going to say writer, but that's not true. <laughs> um, he, he's he's completely incapable of playing VR without feeling sick. Like every type of VR, whether yeah. it's a sitting experience or anything, he just he gets motion sick and that's it. It's game over, and he hates being sick, so he just can't do it. And you know, for that kind of money, it is a lot of money to put into into a potential peripheral that's just going to make you spew. So, I mean, it, I really hope that that Sony go to a lot of these shows. You know, they're because when they did PSVR, they did, had massive booths at EGX mm. and uh, um, PAX and, uh, you know, all over the place where you could go and try PSVR, just a quick demo, just to make sure, you know, I can play this. And it would be great if they could could get it to WASD and EGX and all these other shows this year, just to give people a try. That would be great. Do you think it will break through kind of uh, the quote-unquote hardcore market for gamers? that are because you can't really say they're early adopters now because this this is this is 2.0 <clears throat> but i think people are framing that this is it's still for the for people that are like all the way in and not necessarily casual that would pick this up i think i think what we'll see is that um as time goes on i think i think what sony have done is kind of put this initial proposition together for those people that are all the way in already. Um, but I think as time goes on, and if and if Sony don't do what Sony tend to do and drop those things that aren't immediately successful, is that you will start to see kind of the adoption and it will take a couple of big games. Um, you know, there, there's um, a couple of really promising first-person shooters coming to PSVR from really great developers. Now they aren't AAA developers, um, but they they you know they have good pedigree. So if they they could put out something that would, would attract like the Call of Duty crowd, um, then there's a you know potential for it to break through. If there's ever some kind of FIFA experience, but it, th- those are the kind of the names that it needs to attract. Yeah. Sorry, not FIFA. EA EA football, whatever it's going to be called. <laughs> Can't call it FIFA anymore. Um, so you know, it just needs it needs something you know that killer app. Now, Horizon's a massive name, and it will sell what it needs to sell on day one. I'm sure that there won't be loads of PSVR twos knocking around on shelves in a couple of weeks' time, but they need to keep that ball rolling. And yeah. I do get the feeling that because of this whole Microsoft Activision thing, that Sony are kind of keeping their cards a bit close to the table with everything. So I imagine there are, you know, like they had the Call of Duty, um, is it Advanced Warfare had a VR section within it, or one of the, the Call of Duties did. Um, and I think if they can convince enough developers to do VR experiences, like Resident Evil Village, yeah, that is that is a massive thing. Um, and if they can continue to get developers to do those kind of things, then I see it eventually breaking through, because. You know, PSVR, PS5s are flying off the shelves at unprecedented rates. And this is like when the price eventually starts to come down, there's a massive library of games there. 
it will make a, a really interesting proposition that might might help VR over that line. So we can stop saying this is the year that PSVR VR makes it, or you know, this is the year that VR takes off, because we've been saying that for 10 years now. Yeah. Um Yog Dog, have you have you got experience with VR? Are you happy are you excited about PSVR too? Uh I've never used VR ever. Um wow. I have wanted to there was a Counter-Strike clone called Pavlov, which oh, yeah. released for Steam VR. I think it could use Vive or something. There was another one it could use anyway. I always wanted to try that out, but that's uh, a few years ago now. So let, let me give you a little update then. Pavlov is coming to PSVR 2. In which case, uh, I would love to give it a go. Uh, <laughs> you might see me at your doorstep in a few weeks' time. <laughs> That's okay. I am, this, this is your official invite. It's recorded. If anyone wants to come round and make the trip to Stoke, which I wouldn't advise, but if anyone does, uh, I, I, okay, let me see. Any one of you guys, I don't want like every listener of this podcast <laughs> coming outside my house. I did wonder if you'd have like a mob of people queuing up to be like, let us play PSVR 2, you promised. I'm going to get some screen wipes. So that's, just like, right, next. Start charging people. Horizon. That's it, yeah. Um, you know, if you guys ever want to come down, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get some Doritos in and uh, drink some Jew and do some PSVR 2. It's, uh, it's exciting times, guys. I, I can't wait. I genuinely can't wait. What's the what's the date for it? You said this week. Is it Friday? I think it's Friday. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of um the like a lot of um kind of shipping details have started going out, so people are expecting to get them right like Wednesday and Thursday. But I sure. think the official release date is Friday. Yeah, it's twenty sixth. Twenty second is the official date. Oh, cool. That is. Yeah, That's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's um. It's going to be it could be a really exciting week. I'm I'm expecting lots of uh, the coverage has been great for Sony. And have you seen the Ozzy Osbourne tr- the advert? <laughs> no, but I'm going to have to look at it now. Yeah, there's there's a, an advert with Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon Osbourne. Ozzy's playing. Sharon, what is this bloody headset? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that Stormbird's trying to take my head off. Sharon, <laughs> he doesn't know what a Stormbird is. <laughs> no, he does not know. He doesn't know what room he's in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, great. So let's move on to the final news topic of this week, um, which I don't have any particular um strong feelings about either way so i'm hoping you guys do there is another civilization game in the make in the making at fire axis um so there's been a bit of a change up at the management of fire axis um am i saying that right is it for axis uh i think i tend to call it for axis fair enough but i've seen people call it fire axis as well so i guess it's just subjective of what people prefer calling it I'm going to call it for Axis because you are the, the expert on, on strategy games and they make a lot of strategy games. So I'm going to take your take on this. For Axis, is that a bit of a change up? So uh, Ed Beach, the franchise lead design for Civilization Six, will continue his role as creative director on the new game. Um, game is confirmed uh, via 2K, uh, which will see the XCOM director Jake Solomon and studio head Steve Martin leave for Axis. They're off to do something new. By the looks of it, uh, but it is—it's exciting news for those who like Civilization. 
there is a new civilization in the making. Yog Dog, tell me, are you excited? I'm sad. Jake sad. Solomon, uh, Jake Solomon leaving is a huge blow. Uh, he didn't work on the Civilization series. He worked on XCOM, uh, and he was responsible for the rebirth of XCOM, like what ten years or so ago now, and any XCOM related games since. And the, that series it has its drawbacks, but it's also been a, overall excellent. And uh, he was one of the driving forces behind that. And there was another important person who left. I can't quite remember his name. So two of the, the big people responsible for uh, those games have, have left. So I am, uh, I'm interested in what they're going to be doing next with the other team. Uh, but I'm also a bit, there's a bit of trepidation because people I trust to make good games have gone. Um, for Civilization, I will definitely pick up the next Civ. Civ's not my favorite strategy series, but it's still a very good series. Uh, I just hope they don't quite release so much DLC for the next one because they released a hell of a lot for Civ 6. Uh, and it did have some launch issues, specifically, the AI was uh, extremely weak. So I feel that they need to focus on making sure the AI is... Um, like the majority of people who play Civ games, there is a multiplayer scene, but it's still single-player. And the AI was just, like, even on the hardest difficulty, you could beat it very, very easily. It, it just wasn't a threat. So I'm hoping future titles do have a bit of better AI. I liked the... Uh, visual style, although that one was a little bit divisive uh, for Civ 6. I'm interested to see whether they stick with it or whether they go back to or, or even go for a completely different visual style. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sad in some ways, but I'm also excited in others. I guess we can only see what the future holds. Um, and uh, if not, we've still got the games in the past to play, so you know, it's a win-win either way, I suppose. Yeah. I think aside from the kind of the, the news about civilization, on that day there seemed to be kind of like an exodus from Faraxis. There was quite a, a number of high profile names that left. And there's there's you know, there's rumors, I guess, kind of a lot of people are seeing smoke and expecting a fire of some other studio to spring up with you know Jake Solomon and with um Steve Martin, not Steve Martin, yeah, Steve Martin, um, to, to spring up. Is that something that you are potentially excited about? Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, one of the studios that sprung up in recent years uh, made Terror in Victor, um, which yes. is something I reviewed last year and is just an astonishing video game. It, it's one of the most in-depth simulations I've seen. Like if it was the expanse in a in a strategy game, uh it would be Terror and Victor, just it's not set within the same universe. And that was just spun off from mod makers who for XCOM. I'm really excited to see what the main guys on XCOM, if they spun off their own studio, would do. The the rumors I've heard and you know, this could just be people making stuff up. But the rumors I've heard with people having a bit of an exodus is there's a major disagreement on DLC policies um, yeah. 
for civilization specifically and future titles so i don't know whether that's factored into it or not whether that's just something convenient people come up with or whether it's an actual thing i mean i think the the thing is that dlc as a as a whole is a two 2k kind of mandate you look yeah. at all of the games that come from 2k the nba 2k game is rife with micro, microtransactions the wwe game has loads and loads of you know um downloadable characters released after after launch their, their games in general have microtransactions or dlc and i think if you if you have a game like civilization you can't it comes from a breed of games that didn't have dlc and people kind of expect it not to have dlc and i imagine you know those creators that have been doing tactical games and strategy games for that long probably don't feel great about having to develop a game and then develop it developing a strategy game around the possibility of more things being added later and being paid for yeah i mean there is a tradition of expansion packs for a lot of these games but yeah generally that's got the content of several dlcs added together uh and it's a lot more a lot more interlinked and it feels more well put together i've noticed with the increasing amount of dlc coming out for a lot of strategy games in recent years and paradox games are one of the worst for us um is that the dlc's add new content which is great but they're all spun off into their own thing and they don't really link together particularly well and it just feels jumbled it doesn't feel like a full coherent experience anymore it feels like many little different experiences that don't fit in together properly so more of a coherent um plan would be nice for some dlc moving forward uh, that's fair that's fair thanks for that miles josh have you um got anything that you could add um i do not play strategy games at all uh but hearing the news of civ um i mean we all know how video games have worked it probably has been in development for a while at this point but after the news of marvel's midnight sun supposedly being a commercial flop um for for axis and 2k i feel like this is probably an announcement that has come a little bit sooner rather than later for shareholders to, to be appeased a little bit maybe before they plug on their funding on more future titles um i had to look at wiki just to see and jake solomon was a director of Mid marvel midnight suns one of the directors so i feel like there's a little there's some connecting the dots here i might have a tinfoil hat on a little bit but i feel like obviously the this news has come from bad news being so devastating uh for a, a a financial sense and i looked it on on wikipedia and fuck wikipedia because it says it received generally favorable reviews but was a commercial flop as like the end note of the article on wiki which sucks because i mean i know you love marvel midnight suns miles loved it toby gave it a favorable review on the website um but like you were both talking about it's the dlc stuff isn't it like even Midnight Suns has got whole new characters that people are definitely going to want to play as locked behind DLC, like Deadpool being the first one. 
and yeah. then we and then we got Venom in the second one. It's just it's just bad news. I think I, it's it, that, that's what the headline re- reads to me is that we need to impress someone like up some of the heads here that we've got uh, um, like civilizations just going to print money because it's always popular. Like we need to prove that this is going to happen after this sad news about Marvel Midnight Suns. Which is really sad. I mean, if, if that is the case, and you're probably right, you know, the timing is very vicious. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of those, you know, oh no, we need to, you know, bury this bad news. Let's announce, you know, this this amazing game that's going to be coming out in probably six or seven years' time. Um, Midnight Suns was amazing. Uh, I, I platinumed the game. I played it through twice. I never played games through twice. It's just Marvel Midnight Suns deserved a lot more credit than it got, and I think uh, if, if people if people were willing to give the the thing is it looks like a game you wouldn't enjoy because it's got cards, yeah. and it's a strategy game, but it's not that at all. It's it's such a like it's an action game that's wrapped up in these systems, um, which is a real shame. Um, it, it, it doesn't help that. Um... A significant subset of the strategy communities I'm part of that have played a lot of XCOM just didn't buy the game out of principle because it wasn't another XCOM game, which is a shit reason, but it is still a reason that um so I've yeah. yet to play it myself, which is weird being the main strategy game person here. Um I just have had too many other games on the back burner and I haven't got around to it yet, but I I, I'm looking forward to playing it eventually. I think I'll wait till all the DLC is released and get the full experience. Yeah. I think I think what you'll find is I think you in particular, Jack, will, will find that it's it's very easy to manipulate and once you learn the systems, um you can you can like pretty much wipe the board with most it it, it doesn't really feel like there's much of a challenge. Once you get towards the end, if you've learned all the systems correctly, but you've got to learn all those systems, and there are a ton of systems in there that take a little bit of time to learn, but because um, it, it is really in depth, <laughs> but um, you can you can manipulate certain things to to make it, lots of the battles really easy. So you know if, if you, I'd, re- I'd be really interested in your take eventually when you when you play it. Uh, I'll be really interested in your take on it because. Um, it will be interesting. Uh, Miles, have you got anything to add? Uh, no, not other than, other than what's already been said. Um, I completely agree with. Uh, I played Civil- Civilization Revolution back in like 2008 as a kid, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So I would probably get on with the <laughs> game much better now. Um, I absolutely adore the XCOM franchise. If the breakaways mean that XCOM is going to continue preferably in some way, then I would be very down for that. Um, because Phoenix Point was a bit of a technical mess as much as it was close to the original formula. Um, but I also love Midnight Suns. I generally I think most of what Fire Axis makes is right up my alley. So I'm excited for a new civilization and I just hope I have the time to put into it to actually be able to play it. But I think like you always touched on, the XCOM community and that franchise is the big hitter of them. So if it was like a choice between them, I would prefer XCOM over a civilization game. But like I said, most of what Fire Axis make, I'm down for. Fair enough. I, I just I don't know if you guys have seen Jake Solomon's parting 
message between Ferroxes and himself. Um, I won't go into the whole thing, but his, his last line is, my brain is on fire with a new dream. Time to go chase it. So, you know. Mystic. I, I just want the dude to be happy. I mean, he's. Uh, I will play whatever he he does, even if it's not a traditional genre. I I enjoy. I will give it a go no matter what because I've enjoyed his game games that much in the past. It's the least I can do. Yeah, I think wherever he ends up, we'll be lucky to have him as a designer because you know he he makes he's got a very great mind for games. So we look we look forward to whatever you're doing next, Jay. So that was all of our topics this week. Well done, everybody. We didn't totally mess it up. I think we move on to I think Ross normally moves on to recommendations now. Is this correct? Yes. Let's let's do some recommendations. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Miles, what are your recommendations for this week? Uh, the only recommendation I can really have is the city of Bangor in Wales, because it's where we've been for the last week. And it was very, very nice. It, like I said, it's very scenic. It's a nice little town. And although it's it's kind of like a university town, but it's like just very pleasant. It's on like the, I don't know if it's the seaside, but it has water emanating around it. Um, and it was just, yeah, really nice. Didn't even rain that much in comparison to usual um and if you want to go somewhere to visit that's very scenic and like sean said kind of looks like new zealand just not quite as sunny then bang is a pretty good place to go so yeah that's my recommendation okay <laughs> a while <back. laughs> well um, i mean uh, the fact that you've recommended wales to people uh, kind of you know there's something wrong with that is there? there's just something intrinsically incorrect about it but i've done it i've committed I'm, I'm trying to decide whether you try like pulling pulling a prank on people. <laughs> I live um I live not far from the border of Wales, so we go me and my girlfriend uh, when she can drive, we go out quite a lot. It's a lovely place. It really is underrated. It does rain a lot though. Yeah, <laughs> and I've been drunk a few times in Bangor uh, before I met my girlfriend because I had a friend who went to uni there. It's also a lovely place. See, see, it's a, it's an all right recommendation. Yog's on board with it too. Like I, I go to Wales at least once a year because I also I live like an hour away from most of the the hotspots in in Wales. Mm-hmm. Don't recommend going to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe like on the general principle, don't recommend it. But on this one particular instance, I'll recommend it. <laughs> no, like. Like, you know, we don't need anyone getting, you know, head loo and a raff or whatever it is. And... <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember all the Welsh words that I... Rill. Just don't go to Rill. Just stay away oh. from Rill. Maybe maybe Miles should actually recommend... Is this the prank, Miles? Should you tell people to go to Rill? <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> Fair enough. Go to Rill, people. Good recommendation, Miles. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime, mate. Josh, what's your recommendation for this week? I think uh, I think Ross might have recommended this some time ago last year, uh, but I just want to reiterate because I watched it over the weekend. Um, it's The Bear on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it is a show about the guy that has inherited a restaurant from his brother who has passed away. Um, and it's a shit show and 
oh, if you've worked in a kitchen, if you've worked in service in general, um, you will get PTSD watching this because it is as as bombastic as some as the as some of the plot lines are in the episodes. There's there's still a, a, an assemblance of believability to the point where it's like, yeah, fuck that. I remember something like that. That was not good. I was quite tired when I started watching it, um, and then it's smacked me right in the face and I had heart palpitations because I was getting I was having flashbacks of my time in the restaurant and uh yeah I'm not really selling it because it sounds like an awful experience but it's relatable it's hilarious uh it's food accurate in uh, the sense of kind of how a working environment is so if you don't know watch it and then maybe you'll have an appreciation for what happens back of house when you're next ordering your meal um yeah it's a really great show well cast well acted love it great stuff. i actually meant to meant to watch this when ross recommended it so now you've reminded me of it now two people i know have reminded like recommended this so it's, it's, got now. it's not that long either like the episode's are roughly around half an hour there's one that's like 50 minutes and then it's eight episodes so it's really doable um it's not like an hour episode every time and it's really good okay i'm gonna give this a watch i'm looking for a new comedy series too because i've just finished superstore so this this sounds like it might be up my street thank you young dog do you have a recommendation for this week my recommendation is alcohol um (laughs) (laughs) uh so i went to there's a market which gets hold in uh the town i live in uh, the second saturday of every month it's got a lot of craft stalls and stuff uh and there's a distillery called riverside craft spirits or something along those lines um and i ended up picking up a bottle of dark chocolate whiskey liqueur from them because it smells divine and tastes divine. Uh, but they do all sorts. Uh, they do rum, gin, uh, whiskey liqueur, I think one or two other things like vodka. And uh, it, it's quite a small distillery. It's in Warrington uh, in Cheshire. So it's not far from where I live. And yeah, the, they do have a website and stuff. I really recommend checking them out because... I mean, I don't drink nowadays, and I couldn't resist picking up a bottle of this stuff. It was amazing. So uh, I actually have a bottle of alcohol in the house for the first time in like four years. Well done. I thought you were going to say, I have a bottle of alcohol in my hand right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do, actually. (laughs) I'm looking at the bottle because I wanted to remember what the name was for, for us. But yeah, it was, it's very tasty. Uh, I couldn't resist picking up a bottle. When I had a taster, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's not the cheapest, but it's not ridiculously expensive either uh, in the grand scheme of things. It's like 25 quid for a 35 centiliter bottle or something like that. It might be more than that, but uh, more volume, but it's it's really good stuff. Fair enough. So when you're heading to Wales, where Miles has recommended you go, Make sure you take lots of booze. Stop off at Jonathan's <laughs> Distillery. <laughs> it's the only way to make it through it. And then drunkenly watch the bear. <laughs> um, I'm going to polish this off by making this a full trip. Um, 
I'm going to re- reiterate a recommendation that Ross made with the Minter Wonderland ice cream, um, because that's very cool. Also, uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch. If you if you're not watching this show, uh, it's a cartoon. It's one of those animated shows on Disney Plus. If you're not watching this, then you're missing out on some of the best Star Wars stuff that's out there. It's proper high sci-fi stuff on occasion. Uh, occasionally, like um, political intrigue and conspiracies and things. But uh, it's it's a very good show that's going to some really cool places in the Star Wars universe. And you should be watching it. And that is the recommendations for this week. And this, which I believe takes us now on to uh, what's out this week. And Miles, I just want to prepare you. Once I finish this, I'm going to need you the outro. You know the one that Ross has memorized. Oh, and also do. I will do my best. I will do my best. I have a little script somewhere. I will dish it out. Okay, just letting you know. Just giving you plenty of notice, so that I, I I'm going to take I can take my time with this. Okay. I appreciate okay. you not throwing me under the bus for the last second. <laughs> okay, so. Releasing this week, uh, we have the aforementioned Atomic Heart hitting all the consoles on PC. We have Like a Dragon Ishin, which is coming out on February 21st for PC, PlayStation 5, etc. New World is getting a new uh, expansion, uh, The Legacy of Crassus. Tentacular is coming out on PlayStation and consoles and things. Discronia, Kronos Alternative. Alternate, which I believe is seen in like a lot of Nintendo Directs, is coming to coming out on February twenty second. Uh, lots and lots of VR games are releasing on February twenty second because of PSVR two. So we've got What the Bat, uh, we've got Moss Big Two, Zombieland Headshot Fever, uh, Synth Riders, uh, The Last Clockwinder, Thumper, lots and lots of Oh Cities VR. Which is very cool. Res, um, Zenith, The Last City, The Original Moss, GTA 7 is getting a VR update, Tetris Connected, um, Kayak VR Mirage, The Light Brigade, There's uh, After the Fall is coming to PS5, Townsman VR, uh, Song in the Smoke Rekindled. There's just so many. Oh, and uh, of course, Pavlov VR comes out on, on um, February 22nd. Star Wars, the you know Tales from the Galaxy's Edge or whatever it's called, that's also on the twenty second. Of course, for Horizon, Call of the Mountain, No Man's Sky VR, Jurassic World Aftermath is coming out, Puzzling Places VR, Resident Evil VR, uh, Fantasy Vision Twenty Two X is coming out. My God, what a launch lineup this is! I I can't wait for my PSVR two to come on. Demio Pistol Whip. 80s and Adventures, finally, we get a non-VR game. So 80s and Adventures is coming out on PC and Switch on February 23rd, which is a game where you play poker, but also go through a fantasy land. It looks very cool. Um, Way the Hunter is getting some new DLC on the February 23rd, which Greg reviewed, should you want to go and have a, a look at that review. Blood Bowl 3 comes out on February 23rd, which I believe we may have a review up on the website, maybe around that time. Also, uh, out on... yeah, it might might be the day or day after, but I should have it up fairly soon. Brilliant! Thank you very much. Uh, Company of Heroes three releases on February twenty third, which is getting some really great reviews today. 
Um, Sons of the Forest hits on February 23rd. Jesus, this week is packed. Um, Clive and Wrench, which is an amazing 90s uh, throwback platformer, hits PC and Switch and consoles on February 24th, as does Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe hits the Switch. Rocky and Pocky Reshined comes out on PC, which we, has already been out on Switch. So, and we have a review of that on our on our website. Um, and then towards the end of the week, we've got Horace. It's coming to consoles now. If you haven't played Horace, it's an amazing platformer um, about a robot that's kind of learning to be trying to be human. It's fantastic. Genuinely, one of the best games of the year. It went completely um, like unseen, and then. Tidy off to speak with Destiny 2 Lightfall, I guess. Oh, and Scars Above. Oh my God, what a week. I'm just going to be so broke. Yeah, that's it for this week. That is all of the games. What a week. Josh actually wow. uh, caught me out, I think it was two weeks ago, when I said, oh, there's a nice little lull towards the end of February and the beginning of March where I can catch up on some of my backlog. And, he, and then he started to reel off every game that was coming out. He was like, Atomic Heart. I was like, oh. He's like, whoa long. I was like, oh. And he just kept going. And I was like, where did all these games come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this year, I mean, just as a bit of an aside, this 2023 is shaping up to be fantastic for games. It's not always like the big kind of, the, the ones that we were all kind of most expecting. Like, I think Atomic Heart is probably the biggest disappointment of the year so far. Yeah. Um, but like you look at some of the other games that will be coming out, there's like the 10 dates took me by completely by surprise, which is there's a review on the website now right now. Lots of plugs to the website today. Um <laughs> that like it's such a great FMV game. Um I think we've had more eights and nines out of ten in the first like couple of months of this year than we normally do in the first quarter of the year. So, you know, we've got another month to go with you know, we'll longer, etc. to come out. So I'm just so, so excited. So many games. I'm never getting around to playing Forbidden West. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it, uh, just forget it. Move on. I'm going to you played it. Tell everyone it was great. That, that's all you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Miles, would you like to do the outro? I will certainly try my best. I've had a few goes of it now, so hopefully I'm practiced enough that I will do it as best I can. Are we ready for an outro? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. So that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Just go to the link tree in the description below where you can find us in all the places. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at FNGRGNS. And if you'd like to follow us individually, all of our handles are in the description below, except for myself, of course, because I'm smart and not on Twitter. If you really like what we do, why not follow our Patreon? For just $1 a month, you can keep this podcast live on its various podcast hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. But that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all very much for listening to us. Uh, It is goodbye from Joshua Thompson. Goodbye, everyone. It is goodbye from Sean. Goodbye. And it is goodbye from Yogdog. I didn't realise Ross was here now. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. And it is goodbye from me, Miles, Sword of Roscoe Thompson. We'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast. Bye! You fucking nailed it, man. You yes! Nailed it. <laughs> I did it! <laughs>